and we focus on these seven lies. So I'm unworthy, I'm unlovable, I'm unseen, I'm unheard, I'm unknown, unclean, and undefended. Some variation, some variety of those lies are pretty much the most common. It's watering time, everybody! It's time for Apollos Watered! A podcast to saturate your faith with the things of God so that you might saturate your world with the good news of Jesus Christ. My name is Travis Michael Fleming, and I am your host. And today on our show, we're having another one of our... Deep Conversations. Last week, we began our conversation with Jamie Staples, who is the founder and CEO of The Truth Collective, an organization calling Christian women to know, believe, and share what is true about who God is and how he sees women so that Muslim women encounter the healing power of Emmanuel. If you haven't heard that first part of the conversation, I would encourage you to go back and give it a listen first, because it's crucial to understanding where we are at in this conversation, and it will help you understand Jamie's heart. Let's dive in. I have to know, if you, if you know them off the top of your head, what are the seven lies? Yes. I know them off the top of my head because we also have an art exhibition uh, that we call the Ungallery, and we focus on these seven lies. So I'm unworthy, I'm unlovable, I'm unseen, I'm unheard, I'm unknown, unclean, and undefended. Why? Some variations, some variety of those lies are pretty much the most common. For, and this is for all women. Well, observationally speaking, I, yes. I, I certainly don't know, but observationally speaking, like I said, no matter where we travel, no matter who we talk to, when you ask them to articulate and to find, because sometimes it's, it's in there, you don't know it's there, right? You just know that you're reacting to a situation and you're like, why am I so angry about this? Or why am I so sad by this? And when you do the work and you back it down to the identity level, yeah, you, you find now, my, the, the Kurdish women that we did this project with in, in Lebanon, um, they feel undefended for very different reasons than I feel undefended, right? Mm. They're, they're in a war zone. They literally just had to leave their houses, right? So the reason that they feel undefended is very traumatic. But at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. I'm not safe. I must protect myself. My situation, completely different. But I came out with the same lie, and it causes me the same sin or similar sin. And so that's how we unite women is in a first me, then her um, type conversation and a co-journey. The thing I love about this, this, this ministry, Travis, is that a lot of times Christian women feel like they have all the answers or feel like they're supposed to have all the answers. And so we go to share the gospel with somebody and we're like, you know, I hope they don't find out that I don't really buy this. (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I hope they don't find out that I, I say that God is loving and yet I don't really experience him as loving. I hope they don't find that out about me in this context. We're just very honest about it. Like I believe God, I believe his word and I am wholly committed to it, but I'm going to be honest with you. I don't feel like he protects me sometimes. And I feel very vulnerable a lot of times. 
And so let me journey with someone who has that same lie. And I don't have to teach you anything. We're just going to co-journey together and we're going to heal from this together and look for Jesus in those, in those moments. I'm no longer struggling with a savior complex, right? Mm. Yeah. Mainly we're looking for, for people. And so there are women out there who have uh, experienced healing in their own life and they have a burden and a passion for the Muslim world. And so we start with women like that as like a seed, right? Like they're, they're the seed. And what we're asking them to do is build a greenhouse, right? Mm -hmm. And to bring other Christian women uh, inside that greenhouse, uh, help them go through their own healing process and then use that healing process to, uh, to reach out. So the model really is, um, very individual, uh, setting, um, setting up these greenhouses, if you will, uh, in, in various areas and just employing, uh, the tools that we have like the Kintsugi project, for example, um, to give them those tools so that they're doing it locally where they are. And, and then we have, so we have that, you know, that aspect of the ministry is this nurturing and planting of, of individuals who will then go and, and do likewise. Right. Then we also have this aspect where we're actually reaching into the Muslim world. And so our trip to Lebanon is one of, one of those examples of where we're actually going. And we bring those, we call them our Safira, those women who are, who have, have experienced healing and are using that um, as a testimony to Muslims, but also to uh, to bring other Christian women on. We call those women our Safira. And our Safira will go with us to those international locations um, so that we're constantly staying in touch with, with what's happening in the Muslim world. But we can also do that here locally because as, as Chris Clayman told you, I'm sorry, uh, Garrison, David Garrison told you, um, there's, there's all these communities right here. Mm-hmm. And so we can just walk into New York City as we're doing in November and have access to all these communities. And we can do hands-on tangible ministry uh, among Muslims right here in the U.S. Do you find that the Muslim women or the communities welcome you? Or have you had to, are they standoffish? I mean, they have to know you're a Christian organization. So, uh, or, or maybe they don't, maybe they don't. Maybe you guys are just going in as, as, as trying to help with trauma. But I would think once they find out who you are as a Christian, that the response would not always be favorable. That might be true if we were going in as an organization, but generally Ah, speaking, it's individuals. So let me give you an example. Up in Detroit, there's this really wonderful woman uh, who is is on track to become a Safira for Truth Collective. And and she's been reaching out to a group of women who come from Afghanistan Mm -hmm. and Bangladesh and Yemeni, Yemeni women. And, uh, and several other communities in her area in Detroit. So what, she, what we're not going to do is say, hey, um, let the Truth Collective come and set up a tent, you know, and do these art projects. What we are going to do is invite her to invite her community in a place where we can, uh, where we can do some art, some trauma-informed art therapy. Um, and, and basically what we're doing is shepherding her as well, right? So that she can do those same things herself after we leave. Simultaneous to that, we invite Christian groups of women um, to come and learn. Either we do art projects with them as well, or we could do something like a webinar, or we could do a training or something like that. So we're doing both at the same time, but we're doing it with the community that, that this woman already has. And mm-hmm. so it's really more about her than it is about us. And so you're, 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 you're borrowing the relational capital 
um, that she has already built and you're empowering her to continue that ministry once you leave. How do you deal with the other women coming from different religious backgrounds? I mean, that's the beauty of truth, right? Like truth is cross-cultural and it's, it, it penetrates every worldview. Uh, so if there's anything that we're doing that, that is true, it's, it's not going to be just about Muslims. It's going to be about anyone and everyone. Um, so we encounter uh, all sorts of communities. Um, even at, at the last gallery that we had uh, in Philly, um, there was uh, a woman who left the homosexual lifestyle and was dealing with a pretty considerable trauma wound um, that was still left there um, by the church, as a matter of fact. And so, uh, and so we were able to, to minister to her and to speak into her life. And, um, and that's a totally different community, right? That's a, that's a different demographic. And yet, because it's true, uh, it, it, it's applicable everywhere. And you know what, to be honest, like our burden, our heartbeat is for the Muslim world and we'll always, you know, deploy our resources in that way. But, but the truth of the matter is it doesn't matter who she is. We just want women to experience the presence of Christ in the areas of pain. And when she does that, I have no doubt she will be way more likely to testify and to share that with others. And so for me, you know, women who've experienced the, the healing of Christ are, are, are the most deployable um, great commission minded women, uh, because mm -hmm. they have a testimony because they have been rescued. And, and that is something people are much more bold and willing to share. We're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our sponsors. And we'll be right back. The most important Bible translation is the one you read. At Apollos Watered, we use several different translations when we're studying, preaching, or teaching. But again and again, we keep coming back to the New Living Translation, the NLT. That's why we are excited to partner together. We are united in the belief that understanding the Bible changes everything. Because if you can't understand it, then you won't read it. We want you to know the God of the Bible, to water your faith so that you will water your world. That's why we recommend getting an NLT. It's the Bible in the language we speak. It's not foreign or complicated, but up close and personal. To save some money, go to Tyndale.com. Use the promo code NLTBibles. It will give you 15% off. There's an NLT for everyone, from kids to adults, devotional Bibles, study Bibles, and so much more. Get one today, because understanding the Bible changes everything, and the NLT is the Bible you can understand. What's been the biggest obstacle that you've had to deal with? It's the cultural understanding of trauma. That's the problem. Um, because, in fact, if you don't... Their, their culture or our culture? Our culture. Any, actually, I'll take that back. Any culture. And, and that's the issue. The issue is how do you define trauma? trauma. And, yeah. and the problem with that is our culture wants to... to to leverage trauma only in certain categories and certain spaces. And so what happens is you get this very us them mentality that they've experienced all these horrible things. I don't have anything like that. Therefore I need to take my pain and shut it down and just attend, attend to their stuff. Right. 
So what we're not trying to do is, is equalize trauma. That's not the point. Okay. That's not the point, not for the sake of everyone having trauma. That's not the point. The point is that trauma identity trauma is the foundation. It is the root of sin. It's the root of anything that helps us protect ourselves rather than allowing God to, to transform us into a person of, of shalom, a person of joy, a person of freedom. Identity trauma is the root of all things that steal uh, that identity from us. And so I'm not trying to make a victim out of the world. What I am trying to do is help people understand your sin is coming from a point of pain. Mm. And so, and so it's, it's important to understand where that's coming from so that that area can be healed and that sin can be transformed and, and you can be set free, you know, from that. Right. Because one of the things that's really important to us is that everybody understand that that's how our ministry rolls. If it's not, so we have three pillars, know what is true, believe what is true and share what is true. And a whole ta- trauma conversation lies in that believe what is true pillar Mm-hmm. But the know what is true pillar demands that the scripture be the plumb line of every single mm-hmm. thing we believe and teach. So to, to answer or address that issue, um, a wounded place in our heart never gets to be an excuse for sinful behavior. <clears throat> and the reason mm-hmm. is because we always have a choice on how we narrate that wound. So the issue is if I say, well, this happened to me and therefore I've become an addict, it's not my fault. <clears throat> The Bible says that's not true. You had a choice. You had an option. The Lord was giving you a true path, giving you a true opportunity uh, to believe that he uh, was there with you in that moment, that he continues to be with you in every painful moment that triggers you, and that you have a choice to turn your face toward him and receive his truth and his glory. Mm. And, And when you choose to turn your face away and protect your own wound, that is sin. So. We don't get to, we don't get to explain away our sin. We don't get to do that. The only reason that, that understanding where sin comes from is important is because it means that now that person that just cut me off and flipped me off on the road, I actually Mm -hmm. might have a little bit of compassion for them Mm. because there something, when someone, when you have a conversation, even with your wife and something sets her off. The first, she, her behavior could very well be sin. She could say some things and do some things that are not appropriate and that God mm-hmm. is going to ask her to repent, no doubt about it. And you might get a chance to lead her in that conversation. Probably not, but <laughs> it's usually the other way around. <laughs> yeah, I believe that actually. But what it does do is say, you know what, I'm seeing a very strong reaction from this person. And that means that I've touched on something that's really painful. And yes, I want her to walk in obedience and I want her to find freedom from that. But let's also, also look at the identity level trauma and see if we can ask Jesus to come into that space and heal that wound, because then you might be set free from that sin. How do you lead them in this understanding of Jesus can heal you? And are they like, wait a minute, Isa, you're talking about Jesus. This is a Christian thing. I, I need to leave now. I mean, have yeah. you had that happen? You're talking about um, Muslim women specifically? Yeah. 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 So here's the beauty of the whole conversation is that um, in the Quran, Jesus is a healer. To believe that Jesus can heal is, is not a stretch theologically at all. Uh, in mm. fact, that was one of the things that he was known for. One of the beautiful things that Jesus has appreciated Um in, in Islam, Islamic uh, doctrine. And so uh, to say that we're going to ask Jesus to do the healing, 
the question on the table at that point is, well, where is he? Mm. Uh, you know, in, in the Quran, he was here on the earth and he was healing people on the earth. And of course, that's the point that we get to say, yeah, but guess what? He's still alive and he is at the right hand of God and he is God and still possesses the power to not only touch your body and heal it, but to touch your heart and heal it. And that's mm. a concept that opens the gospel, right? I can see that being very, very attractive. But ha have you had negative reactions to this? Like, were you, perhaps I should illustrate it. There was a woman where I knew she was going through something similar. It wasn't, of course, in with the Truth Collective, but it was something else where the, the Jim Wilder, uh, there was some healing that was going on. And they presented this woman with the opportunity to be a part of it. And her immediate reaction was no. No, it, it was this, I'm good working with kids. I'm good just leading him to Jesus. Jesus loves me this, I know. And there was such a wound, such a trauma that she had. And I knew her story that there was no one that she was going to be vulnerable with and share that wound with anybody. And, and, and it, it was really sad to me because I thought, well, there's this part that you're keeping away from God. And I know you've been wounded, I mean, in a horrific, horrific way. But how do you how do you help those women heal in that regard? Or, or do you have people that come come at you and go, no, 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 I'm good. I, I, I don't want you to like there's a line I don't want you to cross. It's just too traumatic. Do you have that? Well, this might be too much information, but I am that person. Oh, I have an area of my life right this very moment that every time Jesus and I enter that space, I'm like, man, I really, I know you want to heal me and I know you can set me free, but this, this is too painful. This is too much. I can't, I can't quite release that to you yet. And, and of course we encounter women like that, Christian women, Muslim women, Hindu women, of course we do because the pain is so deep. And first of all, you have to know that it's there and that's 90% of the battle, honestly, you don't even know it's there. I would venture to guess that there's an issue like that in every person. So she's really mm -hmm. just being more honest than the rest of us or more aware than the rest of us. Um, but, but there are those places everywhere. And here's what's beautiful about it, Travis. Jesus is a gentleman. Mm -hmm. He never pushes us into something that, that is going to cause more trauma. Mm -hmm. And he will never command us to enter into a healing space. He will invite us all day long, but he's never going to push because he respects the pain. He respects how it feels as a human, right? He was there. He knows mm. what it feels like to be abandoned by everyone or betrayed by everyone you love. He knows. Mm. And so he's very patient and he's very gentle and it is a process. And sometimes we look at people's wounds and we're like, girl, you need to fix that mess, right? <laughs> but the truth of the matter is there's a number of layers that need to be healed before that thing will ever be addressed. And Jesus mm. is the only one who knows that. So I, I mean, yeah, there's people that are very resistant and I'm one of them. And I can say that to you without shame because, because I know it's coming mm. because I know that I've surrendered, um, in theology, I have surrendered and I'm walking every day to move to that point and deeper healing, but, but it's no joke. It's no joke. 
when we we come to know Christ, there are some people that are just immediately delivered and set free. And I've seen other people where it's it is learning how to die daily. And usually it's a spectrum between those two, because I think we all look at those people who have been delivered and we go, I wish that was me. Well, we're all in process. Like I, I think of the man who uh, we had an old guy at one of the churches I served at and someone said, well, if he is a Christian, I don't want to be one. And I was like, mm. just think if he wasn't a Christian, <laughs> just think how bad he would have been. You know what I mean? Like, let's, let's put this in perspective. This here. is his dialed down version. Yeah, this is the guy who's insane. I mean, he could have killed millions of people, right? you know, I mean, cause we are, we're all in process. We, right. we are all in process. We don't do well with that. I think as Christians, the understanding of, the 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 depth of theology or the simplicity where we have the simplicity of god where a child can understand and yet it's so complex that theologians never will plumb the complete depths uh of of the mysteries of god and so seeing that though knowing that many christians have a very kind of a simpler understanding and that's not that's not a bad thing that's not a judgment i mean but we are we are all required to grow no, no one is, can just say, I'm, I'm going to stay right where I'm at. And the, as you said, he's a gentleman, but he's also a, that gentleman that, you know, I don't want to say pushes invites. I like how you said that invites. I don't, I, I prefer to say for in, in my case drags. So mm-hmm. <laughs> he kind of grabs me. Yeah. But you know, that's a you thing. That's not a he thing. <laughs> that's <right. Yeah. laughs> but do you, do you find that some people when they look at your ministry, they look at the healing and, and you said that a lot of people don't understand the healing part of it. That That's something that the culture doesn't get, no matter what culture they're from. And, and I would agree. I think some Christians just say, just get them to Jesus and that's it. You don't need to do anything else. Let's just get them saved. Why do we have to talk about all this other stuff? They would say, and I'm not agreeing, but they'd say, Jesus takes care of that. Jesus is the healer. We don't need to do anything about that. How do, how do you respond to those people? Because I'm sure that really gets really frustrating for you. Yes and no. Um, I want to make something really clear about the healing conversation. Healing is not a salvation issue. So I know people that have been Christians their entire lives, and they walk in in the best that they can, um, in the truth of God's word, and they will die that way. And yet they are, they are captive to a variety of kinds of things. Um, Mm. be they some sort of addiction, be they some sort of depression, anxiety, um, certain sin, and it doesn't make them not a Christian, right? It means that that part of their heart has not been healed and they have not been released from that that stronghold, that's that, that sin pattern. Right. And God says that if you go on like that, you will continue to drive yourself further and further away from my, my healing, my, my, my ability to, um, to release you from that. So there is a level of knowledge that we can possess and walk in a faithful relationship with God. And I just want that to be clear because I don't want people to get the impression that if you haven't experienced some sort of, of supernatural healing, that somehow you're not a Christian. That is not the question. Mm. The question is, have you been transformed? Have you been liberated the way that he says he will liberate you? I've come that you may have life and mm. life abundant, right? 
So not only will I give you new life, new creation, I will continue on a regular basis to transform you. What does that mean? What does that mean? It doesn't mean you're going to die and not go to heaven. It means it means I've got something for you in this life. And according to Revelation 22, in the next life, all, all the, tr- the tree is for the healing of the nations, it says, right? Mm-hmm. So we will be completely restored in heaven. But on earth, there is access. There's access to a dimly lit version of healing, right? That can set us free in the now. So... <clears throat> It's important for me that people understand that when we're talking about healing, we're talking about um, restoring our hearts back to a place that God intended. And, and that gives us liberty. That gives us freedom. That gives us a testimony. That resonates the glory of God. And it just equips us then to, um, to invite others Uh, into it. Can I invite somebody to know Jesus with their left brain entirely? Can they do all the study in the world? And you know, people like this, we all know people Mm. like this. They're the brainiacs of the brainiacs. And we're all like, Oh my gosh, I can't even remotely compare. Right. Uh, so don't put this podcast next to Jim Wilder's podcast, please. (laughs) I beg you (laughs) because it will be, it will be embarrassing. But But even Jim Wilder would tell you that, that there is, that is, that is only a, por- a portion of who he is. His experience of God and the healing of the things that were broken in his own life is what compels him to do his ministry. As you, you said, you're three, three and a half years into the yes. ministry. Is that right? Yeah. In, in the three and a half years, have you seen just a greater awareness and desire for people wanting this type of healing? Oh, Yeah. Uh, I think actually one of the, one of the places that we were, we were trying to go there, um, is, is people who resist. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and there's a, there's a corporate church wound and we just, let's just bring this pink elephant right out in front of the circle square here. Um, there has been an abuse of, of the word healing or inner healing or trauma healing. There's been an abuse in the church and, and, and people are terrified of what it will mean for, for the healing process. Right. And I think you and I have even talked about this before, um, places that, that deviate from, from a biblical basis to an experiential basis. Right. And, and so once you bring people to understand, and and this is one of the the priorities of our ministry, let's look at scripture. We're not going to do anything that scripture does not endorse support model or discuss. Once you look at scripture, in fact, look at the Matthew 13, when Jesus goes into that rapid fire of parables, right? Mm-hmm. And, the, and, the, and the disciples are like, why? Why can't you just say what you got to say plainly? The irony is he says, the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you. Mm-hmm. So you can understand, but they, and then he quotes Isaiah, though having eyes, they do not see, though having ears, they do not hear, and they do not understand. But if they did, they would turn to me and I would heal them as a paraphrase. If mm. they did, they would turn to me and the words he uses, I would heal them. Mm. What does he mean by that? And what do parables have anything to do with healing? It's a matter of understanding. And this is mm. what, and so this is what I'm saying. We, we need to stick to scripture because the notion of healing is in the Bible. It's mm. in Revelation 22. It's in the Old Testament. Well, even in in First Corinthians, in the list of the spiritual gifts, it says it's actually a double plural in Greek. It's not gift of healing; it's actually gifts of healings, mm. which which means that there's many different 
types and kinds, and there's not just one. The point is, is that there are still, though, many different pieces to that, that I, I think that many people are, are being drawn to, especially now. The Bible also tells us about these things right. and, and the need that we, we have for them. And, and there are brothers and sisters that we know that have been through immense pain that we just can't even begin to comprehend. Like you said, these women of what they've gone through. It's unbelievable. And it's not just, of course, with the immigrants, like you said, there's there's people here and there, there's different aspects of it. But I, I think of our mutual friend, Nick Ripkin, and he was talking about of these women who had been displaced. And I can't remember if it was in Somalia or it might have been in Afghanistan, where he, he talks about a conversation that had been overheard between these women who were in this camp. And the question was not if they were going to be raped, but by who? Right. And it's like, oh, oh my gosh, I can't even begin to fathom that world. And I know that we had in our church women who had been raped. There was a one young woman who'd had her father and sister assassinated in front of her face. And then she just has her brother. She goes to the refugee camp. She's raped, gets pregnant, gets AIDS, loses the baby. And then suddenly she, she becomes a, a refugee. She gets status. So she comes to the United States and she's sitting in a high school English class. Right. And it's like, right. wait, I can't even begin to understand the trauma and the pain of what you have gone through. And there, and there is that healing part of it. Do you find though that Western women are much more resistant to this idea or are they just as open as you see the other women? So there's a, <clears throat> there's a turn coming. Um, and I always like to refer to uh, Romans 11 when um, we're talking about the gospel going to the Gentiles, right? Mm -hmm. And it says that the Jews became envious. Mm. And my personal belief is <clears throat> the reason that the Jews were envious is because they were following the letter of the law and yet, the Gentiles were the ones who were experiencing a liberty and a freedom that they couldn't explain. Mm. And so they're looking at the lifestyle. They're looking at the impact the gospel is having on these Gentiles. And they're like, I don't get it. I don't get it. That, that, can't, be, that can't be from the Torah then. And that has to be something else. And I have this exact same experience when I went when I, every time I hear a story of a Muslim woman who's come to Christ, because almost inevitably there's some sort of trauma conversation involved and I'm looking at her story and I'm in, in stories like the ones you just explained, right. And mm -hmm. worse. Mm -hmm. And here she is walking, um, with joy mm. and peace. And, and, and I'm not in certain areas of my life. How can that be? She's having dreams and visions of Jesus. And if you want to try and discount that, you're going to have to stand up against half of the known world mm. because there's a huge portion of the world who experiences Jesus in that way. Yeah. Why am I not having dreams and visions? Does it mean I'm not a Christian? Of course not. Of course not. But I do kind of wonder how she's got what she's got. And so the trauma conversation is actually, yes, we, can, we, we tend to be more resistant to it as logic, reasoning, scientific-minded believers um, of the Western world. But, uh, but we're watching what God is doing around the world. Thank you, technology. We're watching what's happening around the world, and we're going, wait a second, wait a second. 
I'm a Christian. She's a Christian, but look at what's what, look at what that's doing for her in the midst of a miserable context. My context is not like that. And I'm not feeling that, or maybe it is like that, but I'm not experiencing that kind of joy and peace. What is going on? Well, that's one of the things that we've tried to, to talk about and draw people's attention to on the show. Looking at the global statistics, nine out of 10 Christians were in the, from the Indo-European South in the year 1900, mm. which meant that their skin was white. But, and I can't remember if it's 2040, if that's the right date, 2050, but six out of 10 Christians are South of the equator. I mean, Christianity is exploding pretty much every place around the world, except in the United States right now. Right. I mean, we've seen the, the numbers go down. And the question is, why? Why, 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 why? Has God withdrawn his favor? Have we, has the, I mean, the devil's done his due diligence in getting into the church. Where, wherever Christianity has really exploded, the devil's not far behind. I, I lived in New England, and, and you have these great movements of God, the Great Awakenings, Jonathan Edwards and George Whitfield, and people are coming to just faith in Christ in these amazing ways. And now it's completely dark. You, you think of other countries that have had similar things, Europe with the UK and Spurgeon and Wesley and the land of Luther and Calvin. And they're, they're in some places, theological wastelands. And now there, there are people that are trying to go back and revive that. And that's awesome. But I don't think people are paying attention to the world. And we had a displacement of 56 million people with the world refugee crisis and the biggest shift in history. And, and I've said, there's two reasons for it. Number one, it's so that the people that have been closed to the gospel can hear it. That's number one. Number two, a lot of the people that have been displaced are already Christian and they're going into places and reviving the church. Right. It's a win-win. Right. If we just open our eyes to see what God is doing and why has God brought the nations? I as I said before, in New England, the white churches were dying, but the ethnic churches were exploding. Right. And so I, I see that and I'm like, God is doing a work. God is doing a work that we've not seen. And, and I wish the Western church would, would wake up and join God in that. Mm. As, as uh, Henry Blackaby said in Experiencing God, find out where God is working and join him. Or, you know, when Paul has the, the Lord appear to him why do you kick against the goats why are you fighting what god is doing join him in this and and it, you have to be smart as you do so and be discerning and we do have something to offer in the west we do have great resources we have we have more resources and funds than than anybody in history but we've got to be able to use those and and take the best of the west and and learn though from what god is doing in the world and joining him in that and listen and learn. One of the things that we want to be at Apollos Watered is, is a kind of a listening ministry because Apollos gets converted in the weirdest way possible. He hears the message uh, preached about Jesus's baptism by John the Baptist. That's all he knows. And then he starts preaching right away. And of course, Aquila and Priscilla hear him and they're like, this guy's amazing, but he doesn't know anything at all. <laughs> so they right. pull him aside and it says they explain the way of God more accurately and he listens. And so one of the things that we want to do is we want to say, we want to preach from what we know, but we also want to listen to others around the world and who might know better, who have different experiences, who, who are walking with God, who believe the word of God and see God working and join him in that. And so I think that's our similar heartbeats in that regard, because yeah, we, do, we do see God at work. How can people get involved with the Truth Collective? Well, one of the things I would love um, for folks to do is just go to the website and start and start doing a little looking around about how the ministry 
works and some of these issues in particular. I know there's good, solid um, Bible basis uh, folks who are asking a lot of questions, theological questions. Um, and I love that. And I, and I invite you to come and look at the site. And if you don't find what you're looking for, to send us an email, because that's probably number one. Uh, if you are not a believer and um, the Bible is not yet your plumb line, um, then invite you into this conversation just, just uh, from a reasoning standpoint. Mm. Why am I stuck? Why am mm. I stuck in the pain and the suffering that I'm, that I'm experiencing? Why am I stuck in certain patterns? Let's just start the conversation there um, and start looking at some of the areas that might be uh, holding captive. One of the more practical things that I'd love to invite your listeners to in November, uh, the Truth Collective will bring our art exhibition to uh, Manhattan. Mm. And this is probably the first way that you'll be able to see uh, the notion of trauma, what that looks like around the world. All of our artists are either um, Christian or Muslim that come from different parts of the world. Uh, and, and, and this is a way to start exposing yourself to the notion of trauma, what that looks like globally, and even the healing process, because there's a very special component to this exhibition, um, that will invite you to start looking at the healing process through God's word. Mm. Uh, so you can find those things on our website. We also have, um, basic level trauma healing, uh, groups that again, just enter the conversation from the ground up. Um, and start, start getting into the, the, uh, the skills and the practices of healing in your own life. Uh, you can find those on the website as well, or you can just email us with questions. If there's something you want one of us to speak, one of our fellows to come and speak, um, want us to do an art project, uh, near you or with you, and we can open that conversation, just info at the truth We can, we can start that conversation. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Jamie, God bless you in your ministry. Thank you for coming on Apollos Water. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate the good time and the laughter. Wow, there's a lot in there. Some of it I'd never really considered before. There is something very powerful about understanding the relationship between our trauma and our sin. How our pain can very easily become the ground for the sins we commit. And I do have to admit, I'm not entirely in the same place as Jamie when it comes to the understanding of the origination of sin. I know, though, that I do want to understand her perspective better. Pain and trauma are very powerful factors in our sinful makeup. And as she went out of her way to state, we don't get to use our pain as an excuse to sin. We have the choice. But at, at the same time, sometimes we choose sin, not out of our pain, but for other reasons like selfishness or pride. And again, that could be an identity issue at its core. But my real hangup comes with Adam and Eve because they didn't have trauma in their lives and yet they sinned. I'd like to know more about how that plays out. I know that Satan lied to them, but they also had the clear and unvarnished truth of the God who was with them every day. We all know that the universe is an extremely complicated place. Human beings are complicated. And look how small we are in relation. We are made up of genetics and personalities, circumstances and relationships, and that's just scratching the surface of our humanity. So here at Apollos Watered, we're always cautious about making too much of any one aspect of our human nature or our existence. 
At the same time, we're having these conversations and bringing these ideas because we know that too often we underappreciate or simply ignore how things like our pain and the lies we believe about ourselves really do impact us. How they can and do give rise to the sin that we allow to control us. What Jamie and the Truth Collective are doing is vitally important. We encourage you to check them out. And if you haven't heard our episode with Audrey Frank, who is, who is connected to the Truth Collective, go back and listen. We know that you'll be blessed. Much thanks to the Apollos Water team of Kevin, Melissa, Donovan, Eliana, Rebecca, and Audrey. Today's episode is brought to you in part by FCC Cabinets of Jacksonville, Florida. Water your faith, water your world. This is Travis Michael Fleming signing off from Apollos Water. Stay watered, everybody. Thank you.